0: This will be the last lesson. A few weeks ago, we um, we covered uh, a lesson that we called practical communication, and it was about how, uh, as men and women, husbands and wives, we, we talk to each other in a very practical way. And in some ways, this lesson is related to that, but what we're going to do during this lesson is shift from the practical into very much a, a, a spiritual um, the, the spiritual aspect of, of not only words but other things that, that, that are related to our interaction between husband and wives. So this lesson is sowing and reaping, or as it's subtitled, what goes forth comes back. A lot of times um, we hear this, this term, sowing and reaping, and we don't really understand that it truly is of spiritual law. Hosea 10:12 says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So sowing and reaping is used in the Bible as a metaphor for death and resurrection. And we're going to cover that in a little bit. But the way to think about it is this, and this is probably something that uh, um, that We don't often think about, but when God sent Jesus, he actually sowed, through Jesus, God sowed a righteous seed into the world with the expectation that through that righteous seed that was sowed into the world, literally, metaphorically, buried into the ground, that he would reap a righteous harvest through that righteous seed. You see that? So it's kind of a neat uh, metaphor. Um, The Bible says that there is an origin for the seed that we sow. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 12, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree tree is known by its fruit. How can you be an evil Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So the the origination of the seed, at least what we're talking about today, is here. And as I mentioned earlier, go ahead. Go ahead. Here where? Here in the heart. In the heart. In the heart.
1: Okay, because people then... Tape can't hear you okay. on the CD. All right, everybody on the CD. I'm <laughs> parting that in my heart.
0: Thank you, Marietta. All right. So the law of sowing and reaping is a natural law as well as a spiritual law. So what we're saying there is it's the same as gravity. If, if I drop this page down here on this music stand, it falls. To, it's going to fall down. We know that. That's a, a, a natural law. And the law of sowing and reaping is that same thing. Genesis 1.12 says, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the seed that you sow produces its exact kind. Does that make sense? The seed that you sow produces its exact kind. In Galatians 6, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And this is, these are key in these verses and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season everybody say in due season
1: in due season
0: we shall reap if we do not lose heart therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith
1: okay. i think a lot of times we have to understand the principle of sowing and reaping as it applies to to natural law in order to fully understand it in the spiritual. And the basic principles in farming for um, sowing is that a farmer is going to choose his seed, and he's going to select it based on what he wants to get. He knows that if he plants corn, he's going to bring forth corn. If he plants um, watermelons, he's going to bring forth watermelon. Uh, The second point is that the seed is an investment. So he has to have the knowledge knowing that it takes different things to grow peanuts than it does to grow corn. And he, so the seed itself is an investment. His knowledge, learning what he's going to be doing with that seed, how to nurture it, how to bring it up, that's, that's part of his investment, as is the equipment that he needs to either sow it or to get it out of the ground or off the, off the stalks it's corn. Uh, Whatever, the third law about farming is that what you plant is what you're going to get. There's nothing more basic than that statement. If you plant a watermelon seed, we get watermelon. You ever buy something at Lowe's, a plant at Lowe's, and it had the wrong thing in it, and it was really little, and you couldn't tell what it was, and you get it home or Home Depot or wherever you buy your your, your plants from, and you get home and you find that what you thought was peppermint ended up being some other herb that you have no use for. No. Okay, well that happened to me. <laughs> um, a single seed, one little seed, produces much more than one plant, normally. Now there are exceptions to that, but one apple seed produces trees over and over and over again. One corn kernel produces multiple ears of corn on the same stalk. And the last point, um, sowing happens at one time and then reaping happens at another. It's seasonal sometimes. You plant certain things in the fall that winter over for harvest during the winter. You plant certain things in the spring that are gonna go all summer before you can reap the benefit of what you planted, And some things you can p- stagger and, uh, every few weeks and still have a harvest later on for a long period of time rather than planting a whole field at one time and all your um, kale is ready. At one time you can stagger your planting and have kale for months.
0: So let's talk about sowing and reaping as it relates to words. And and in a marriage situation, in a marriage relationship, this one-flesh relationship that we have with each other, we know that words are hugely powerful. Matter of fact, um, Marietta can say one or two words to me, and I'm good for the entire day. She can say one or two words to me, that are a different type, and I'm kind of bummed out for a long time, you know. So words are powerful, and God knows that words are powerful as well. As a matter of fact, God's words are truly powerful. He thinks about words a lot. In Genesis 17:5, God says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations, Genesis seventeen five. So what God is doing there is he's actually changing Abram's name. Now, Abram, just the name Abram means father or high patriarch, okay? But when he changes the name Abraham from Abram to Abraham, what he is now calling this man who was formerly Abram, the father. It's the father of a multitude. Abraham means the father of a multitude. So every time that God would say, hey, Abraham, what he was doing is he was speaking this word saying, you are the father of a multitude. Now, Abraham's getting old. He's like, how am I going to be a father of multitude? Well, God is going to make keep the covenant promise that he made to Abraham. And what he was doing is he was speaking over Abraham Telling him, "Hey, we got a covenant. I'm going to make it happen." Every time he said his name, so we have God has a clear understanding that words are truly in, important, and we need to have those that same understanding. Did you? Nope. Keep going. You want to keep going? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going. I'm not going here. So. So we know that words have the ability to create or destroy or to cause things to come into existence. Romans 4.17, um, speaking about the same passage that we just covered in Genesis, Paul writes, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did so god calls those things which do not exist as though they did referring back to the change from of abram to abraham god also has the ability to cause things to leave existence as well in 1 corinthians we see a long passage here where God is actually choosing things, the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. The weak things of the world to put to shame those things in the world that are mighty. The base things to put to, to away the things which are despised. The things that God has chosen, the things which are not. And to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So, Words have the power to cause things to come into existence or to cause things to leave existence. And likewise, we have the capability to speak words exactly like that. So, when we speak words, particularly in this relationship, we have the ability to speak blessing and unfortunately, just as easily, we have the ability to speak curses. When we speak blessings, we are building up God's kingdom. This is, this is the way that we should speak. When we sow curses, speak curses, who are, what are we building up? We're advancing the kingdom of darkness. And let me tell you, we don't need to help the kingdom of darkness here.
1: Really what that looks like, the, when we say blessing or curses, really what we're talking about are positive things or negative things. So saying things like, you, did anyone have, a, maybe, um, I know somebody that this happened to, that dad called when they were little, when they couldn't understand something, would call them a knucklehead. And, you know, but not in play, but kind of mad because you're not understanding, you're not getting this, you're a knucklehead. You know, in a derogatory fashion. Well, that person grew up struggling all through school. But that was a curse that his father was speaking over him because he never had anything good to say to this person. So... This person lived always hearing negative things about himself, and his life became a reflection of the of that negativity that was sewed into him. And conversely, um, I know we're a little ha- ahead here. Um, well, I thought you wanted okay. you, Greg's Greg's dad. not you I, tell that?
0: I think yeah. I think we may have touched on this earlier uh, during these lessons, but. In, in my situation, and I don't believe that my dad, because my dad wasn't necessarily super spiritual man, he wasn't. But one of the things that he used to do, and, and which I believe really sowed blessing into my life, is that every morning he would yell up the stairs and he would say, Greg, get up. It's another day in which to excel. That's how he would wake me up every morning at least on the school mornings. And so I would hear that. And, of course, I responded the way that any kid would respond. Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I mean, this this stinks. But what was going forth from my father's mouth, and it's important, was that he was speaking a blessing in the form, hey, this is a day that you're going to excel in. You're going to do good in. And so I heard this day after day after day. And whether or not my father understood this, the principle of blessing and cursing, he was speaking blessing into my life day after day after day. And likewise, um, we can do the same thing into the lives of those that are around us. So I can speak a blessing over Marietta. I can speak a curse over her. You guys can speak blessings over this brand-new baby. And you want a purpose to do that so that she hears that. Spiritually, you're setting a tone. We're setting a tone when we speak these words of blessing. We're setting a tone in this relationship. And we can do this with any relationship that we have on the face of this planet. It doesn't have to exist just here. It can be with our coworkers. It can be with our pastor. It can be with our friends. It can be with our children. It can be with our enemies. Anybody. Now listen. The enemy can also twist words. You want to cover that? Honey? No. You
1: I'll let, I'll let you go.
0: <clears throat> we know that there is an enemy and his minions that are at work here. On the, I mean, scripturally, this is the truth. Um,
1: well. Go ahead. So the what we're talking about, have you ever had a fight with somebody, your spouse, and you're arguing and one person said, well, I didn't say that, or I didn't mean it that way, and the other person took it negatively, so you're not really fighting until that goes down? That happens to us, too. Um, <laughs> but really, words get twisted in the air, and we know that because, in Ephesians um, 2, 1, 2, 1 through 3, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, the desires of our flesh, fulfilling the the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You want to go into a little bit more dialogue about that?
0: Yeah, so so when we look at this passage and what Paul is ta- telling the, the church in Ephesus is that, hey, there is somebody out there, the prince of the power of the air, which he's called in this particular passage. And as Marietta said earlier, it's interesting that you me, I can speak a word,
1: say something to say
0: Marietta, something to Marietta mm-hmm. and I think that I've clearly communicated exactly what I want to say, and by the time it leaves my mouth, and it, and it goes over to her ear, it's like it's twisted, and something that I meant to be kind or informational or cool <laughs> or funny
1: The Sicilian crazy lady comes out
0: <laughs> she looks at me like what did you just say and then there and, and I know
1: you didn't say that yeah you better not and it could <laughs> be that kind of reaction I know
0: you didn't say that well there is a prince of the power of the air that is can be at work in this situation twisting those words
1: right and it only stands to reason because we have power in our unity of our marriage and somebody doesn't want our marriage to exist there is a group of the dark side that does not want marriages to exist and we even see the eroding away in our society of of marriages as we typically under you know as god intended them to be and there this Words are one of the ways. If he can drive a wedge between us, anything is fair game to use against our one flesh unity, our our power that we have. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we know that there are, some people only believe in God and don't believe in the devil. But there's stuff all over the Bible about the dark side. There is there is an enemy. There is a real enemy that we fight. And sometimes we're the enemy. We can be the enemy. And sometimes it's an outside force. And we know that we can be used by the enemy if when we open our mouth and we speak those things that are negative to each over each other and to each other, we are being used by the, the devil didn't make me do it. I opened my mouth. The words can be twisted before they reach him. So when I say something negative, or when I say something to Greg that is twisted, well, I guess the better thing, when you say something to me, because you're not a Sicilian, you don't have this problem as bad as I do. When you say something negative to me and I receive it, right. then I really have to not let the Sicilian crazy lady come out. I really need to keep her in check. <laughs> and I need to go, okay, what 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 did you mean by what you just said? Do you see what I'm getting at? Or I could respond with the Sicilian crazy lady. We don't need any demo there. I'm sure everybody gets that idea. <laughs>
0: Come that next um, that next passage as well.
1: okay For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warf- warfare are not cardinal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's from second Corinthians 103 through 5.
0: So, what we're saying here is this that we have the ability to speak, choose to speak blessings. We can choose to speak curses. That's something that comes out of our own heart. That's a choice that we make. There's an added factor involved in all this, and that is even if we meant something out of our mouth that is innocent, it can be twisted. Then one other factor, and that is, if we speak curses, we can give place in the spirituals, in the spiritual places, we can actually give a place for the enemy to take up.
1: And remember, curses are anything negative that you're speaking almost like a declaration over somebody, you know, a lot of times it happens in our relationship, sometimes you'll see parents do it with children, and the, the... anything negative that doesn't build each other up we can is a curse now right. there's a there is a difference in um, how you approach trying to straighten out a problem so when we remember when we talked about getting to uh, agreement I believe it was we talked about arguing and setting up boundaries right. right? No, that was in communications. Right. And one of the boundaries you can have is those kinds of – is not to speak negative things over each other. Like Greg and I have one that we don't make anything personal. So I don't tell him, you know, you're such a quad head or, you know. <laughs> a clodhead? You know, like a dirt clod or something. <laughs> I don't know. It just came out. A clodhead. So, I'm sorry.
0: I'm, well, I'm not a clodhead, but I, I don't even I know, know where you came up with it. I know, I don't know either. I'll keep on that.
1: <laughs> but clod, I'm not a Clyde You know, we head. don't make things personal when we're fighting. We're we're arguing about the issue and not him, he's not making it personal about me. You know, you're a crazy Sicilian woman. Where the heck did you come from? And you know, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't bring that up. Thank you, by the way. Um, so so, But there is a time to address things that you might say to each other that are negative where you have to help someone change their pattern. Because sometimes people are unaware in a marriage that things that you're saying are wounding to the other person. And that comes with communication, continuing to know each other and spending time with each other.
0: So, so we know that when things come out of our heart, we can speak blessings, we can speak cur- curses, But there is a way to speak or to consider the words that we speak and um, know that we're going to build the kingdom. And that's through God's word, God's word. And so we want to use God's word in a lot of ways. And we want to cover God's word, some of the things that are salient points about God's word before we uh, get to the application. But here's some truths about God's word. Jeremiah uh, 1.12 said, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. I am, this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, I am ready to perform my word. God watches over his word and will perform it.
1: God's word accomplishes his purposes. Isaiah fifty five eleven says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. And that we have the power of that with our words. It shall accomplish what what God pleases, and it will prosper in the things from which we sent it. So when you speak over each other positive things, even though they may not yet exist, or positive things that where something else is existing, you are actually sending forth a word that will take root. It's being sowed into your relationship. It will take root and grow. Just like a negative word, a person will live up to the negative words you speak about them. The, it almost gives them a, a ceiling where they can't get above or beyond and and above what that negative word was that negative those negative words that were spoken over them they have this ceiling this invisible ceiling they can't get through to become a better person and yet when you do positive things you do not say positive things you have no ceiling anymore amen there's there's That's nothing great. to keep you or the person you're speaking over from right, from Reaching for the stars, so to speak. Yeah.
0: When we're talking about God's word, it's interesting. We A lot of times we miss this passage, but even the angels, the angels do his word. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, who, the angels, do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So the angels are charged with performing the word of the lord we want to use the word of god to speak blessings over our spouse and others that we want to speak blessings over but because we're focused in here in this one flesh relationship we want to make sure that we use the word of god to speak blessings over each other
1: when you're when, when the I'm sorry, let me back up. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no, there is no other way. In, in our marriage, in our unity, Greg and I, if I were to speak negative things, not just to him, but about him, I am actually dividing our marriage. Because I'm reinforcing in my own mind negative things, and and I'm speaking things over him that give him that ceiling. I'm really the destroyer in our marriage. So it is really important that that we look at what we're saying to each other and and to those that we love and care about around us in terms of are you growing them or are you killing them? Because that's what it amounts to. It's The Word of God, God's words are living and powerful, and we can use them for each other. That's right. For blessing.
0: When we speak and pray the Word... We know one thing. We know one thing. If, if we're speaking and praying the word of the Lord, we can't help but be in agreement with God's will. Right. Okay? 1 John 5 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, we know, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So when we are speaking God's words, and we're speaking God's words over each other, we're speaking God's words over ourselves, we know that we're in agreement with God's will for either, if I speak God's word over Marietta, I'm in agreement with God's will for Marietta. And this is why we're touching on this so heavily
1: We took a couple of scriptures, and we gave you an example of a prayer and a declaration. And the first one is, um, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And this is Jesus talking. And we said, to make this a prayer, you could pray it, like if I wanted to pray that over myself, I could say, Lord, please help me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Provide. You know, if I don't have the finances, make a way where I don't see how that's going to happen for me. If that was my prayer, that's, that's what it would be. A declaration would be, Lord, I will go into all the world and preach the gospel. See the difference? You're using God's words, but you're declaring them over yourself. You're praying for those things to take root in your life. And there's nothing stronger than, Lord, Help us to take the gospel, Greg and I, that's our prayer, take the gospel into all the world uh, together. Provide for, make a way, provide our way, bring in whatever we need to accomplish that. But we're here to be your hands. You see the how you can use that. The other scripture we said, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And again, that was Jesus Uh, talking about the commandments, the first is loving God and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This one we all have, you know, kind of a a hard time with because neighbor is anybody. (laughs) We'd like to assume that it's just the person that happens to be sitting next to us or lives next to us, but it really is anyone we're interacting with. And we could declare that as a prayer and say, Lord, help me to love my spouse as I love myself. Or I could declare it instead of praying it and I could say, Lord, I love my spouse as I love myself. Okay. 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 I'm gonna do one. Okay. We can take things out of context. Okay, so don't pray these kinds of out of context things like eventually the wife died. <laughs> We don't we don't want to apply scripture. Huh? Not good. No, it's not. And or applying things um, inappropriately. We have to remember that James four, three says, "You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures." And we we also want to make sure that we don't pray to change our spouse until we've actually been changed. Does that make sense? So once I don't need any prayer, never, (laughs) then I can pray for God to fix him. Because right now my prayer should be for God to fix the crazy Sicilian lady, right? So why do you look at the speck in your own brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look? A plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, nowhere in there that says there was anything more than a speck in his eye. But there's there's a plank in mine. I think that was real interesting because it's always in – we always think – that somebody else is worse than we are because we're measuring against a different standard. Right? I'm not as bad as he's not as good as. So fix our own eyes.
0: Fix our, <laughs> fix our own self. I mean, yeah. that's been, and I think you've heard that as a theme throughout all of these sessions that we have done is that this is really all about taking a look at ourselves, taking a look at our our own hearts, our own situation, our own circumstance, our own actions, and and addressing those things that we need to address here so that this relationship can be built. Amen. You want to cover this? Or you want me to? You go ahead. On the next page in your outline, um, um, we've got a, at the top of the page, it says walking it out. And what we want to do here is we want to take just a few minutes. We're going to stop teaching for a few minutes. And we want to have you apply what we've just taught, not only to yourself, but also over as a declaration over over your spouse. Now, you don't have to give this a lot of thought. The, the Scripture is at the top. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Galatians 5. So what we want to do is we want to just take the time to have the, have the Lord show you, how you're doing – go
1: ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, babe. In one of those areas. Pick out one of those areas, like for the crazy Sicilian lady. She doesn't have very much self-control. So I w- even, though, even though I could probably use all of those things in greater measure, I would pick out the self-control. And
0: so and what would your declaration over de- yourself sound uh, like?
1: That, that, that my life exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, especially self-control. That would be a declaration. That Lord, I I am able to control myself. Something very simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. And then if I wanted to declare something over Greg, let's see. Better make it good. I know, I'm thinking, darn. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> too carefully. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> play it on me, baby.
1: Okay. I don't think I can get too hurt by saying this. Um, Greg's life is filled with peace.
0: Amen. You see, that when you use this kind of a situation, and you use the word itself, then it's clearly whatever Marietta would have done as far as a declaration is is concerned over me, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be something that 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 really edifies me. Do you see that? She could she couldn't have made a boo boo. We were kidding, but she couldn't have made a boo boo.
1: The. Um The thing that you don't want to do is say things like, uh, his life is just filled with chaos, Lord. He just, give him peace. You see the difference? So just something real short.
0: So take a few minutes and, and write a couple of declarations. okay so hopefully everybody's got two mighty declarations from that simple passage um, <clears throat> there the word is full of passages that, that you can use like this where, um, you know, things like passages and several passages in Philippians, for example, that, you know, whatever things are good, whatever things are noble, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, whatever things are praiseworthy, if there is any good in those things, let us... Let us think about those things. Let us consider those things. And so we can use those types of passages to, to even make a declaration over ourselves as we lay down to sleep at night. And so this is what we're encouraging you to do here. Now, the word, um, and Marietta is actually looking up something. That we just caught something that uh, that will help us illustrate one of the points later in the lesson. But the word um, says that there are In James, we want to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. The point that we're using in this particular passage is that we want not just to be a hearer or a speaker of of the word, but there are also there are also other forms of seed in the form of doer. So, for example, the principle of sowing and reaping applies to more than just our words. So, in my relationship with Marietta, I can actually sow seed, not through the words only, but through my attitude and my unspoken communication, and we all know what that's all about. We all know what that's all about. Um, we actually see this at work in, in in the in the book of Job, as Job interacts with his friends, and we actually see the unspoken communication flow back and forth between Job and his his friends, and their attitudes towards Job. You know, hey, Job, give it up. You know, you sinned, go die. You know, but here's some here. We've listed out some things that are that are positive unspoken communication and some things that are negative. Want to cover those. Okay.
1: Well, I think we're all clear on the negative: rolling the eyes, hands on the hips, <laughs> stomping, um, slamming doors. Nobody ever does this, though, right? <laughs> Folded arms, um, uh, tapping foot. And cover the good stuff. Oh, that yeah. part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When we want to talk with somebody, we're going to have a really serious conversation. It's always good to face the person. So if if, if when you're talking um, to your spouse and you're in you're you're wanting to have positive interaction, it's good to face each other. Um, some people say to lean forward a little. Makes you feel makes the other person feel you're interested don't tap your pen while they're talking. <laughs> um, nod your facial expression should line up with what you're, you know what's being said so you're not like smiling when they're talking about something devastating that just happened to them. Um, use a calm voice, use eye contact. focus your attention. Put your cell phone away where you can't see it or won't be tempted, can't hear it. Um, Those are just a few things that can affect how you're being received by the other person.
0: And if I want to sow good unspoken communication, I'm going to do those positive things. In other words, if I feel like... um, um, and this is not true at all, but uh, I'm going to use this as a purely hypothetical example. But if I want to have Marietta um, pay more attention to me, then I want to use some of these positive things when she's speaking to me. I want to make sure that I'm doing these things because what I'm going to reap is exactly that. So if I feel like there's an area that's lacking, I want to sow that same thing. Okay? That's good. Um We also sow seed through our actions and acts of service. So, um, and and an example of this is Rahab. Rahab, in the Old Testament, didn't necessarily want to do what she did, but she was convicted and she actually helped the Hebrew boys out. So, and as a result of that act of service, she was included in the lineage of Jesus. Awesomeness. Um so we want to we want to keep in mind our actions and our acts of service as seed that we're sowing into this relationship. So if I want to if 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 I want to feel like again this is hypothetical if that Marietta needs to be more helpful then I need to sow helpfulness towards her. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you and, Go ahead.
1: And also You know, like, for instance, this is like all men, plug your ears. (laughs) If you want help in the kitchen or with the laundry or any of those things, most men like to be encouraged. And so um, thank them. Even if it's one time to your 1,625,000 times of emptying the dishwasher, you're going to really thank them. And I am telling you, that is a seed you can sow. Your gratefulness is a seed you can sow that will bear fruit later. Right. Continually sowing, being grateful for every tiny little thing that your spouse does, and that goes both ways. This. The dishwasher may not, but
0: this <laughs> this subject is so important that I, we can't we cannot emphasize it enough. Um, We've got down here on our list polite and chivalrous. And, and what we mean by that is that if I want Marietta to respond positively to me, one of the things that, that I'm doing is the little things, I'm sowing the little things that I know are going to reap a huge harvest later. And so um, a lot of times you'll see us actually hold hands. We're just, you know, it's a non-sexual action, but we're just holding hands. It's just a, a physical touch reassuring each other. Um, or when when I walk out, and, and guys, I don't get this right all the time, but a lot of times I will actually walk out and open the door for Marietta. And you don't see that a lot anymore, but it's something that, guys, we ought to do. Um,
1: Women like to feel special.
0: Right. So so what I'm doing is I'm actually sowing a seed of I don't want to call it chivalry, but I'm sowing a seed of consideration into Marietta's life. And what I'm going to reap is going to be so beneficial. You know, just a little act of opening the door, Marietta is going to feel like she's being well considered. And, you know, we're all married in here. And so it's awesomeness that we can talk about things like this. So I can open the door and, hey. You know, when it's time to be intimate, it might come back. Right on. <laughs> right on.
1: Just
0: saying. Just saying. You know, and sometimes, sometimes when we teach this course, we teach a whole lesson on intimacy. But these are the things that really do make a difference, particularly for a woman.
1: That's right. Is that right? That's right. Because right on. Intimacy starts when you wake up in the morning and it goes all day until...
0: As a, as a, as
1: so the actual. As opposed,
0: um, to as, as opposed to a guy. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway.
1: You know, guys' ideas yeah. of intimacy is just show up naked. Please. That's right. Can you just show yeah. up naked? Yeah. And okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. And women, we Wait. want. It's got to start in the morning. It's got to work yeah. o- work for us. I know. and That's why I'm opening okay. the speaking that's that's right. door. Keep opening those doors, baby. Right on. like that. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, listen, guys, you know, if you see me open the door, it's not that, you know, (laughs) I just want to, let me, let me clarify. like, it's, that's not what it's all about. I'm just saying that this is, this is like, holy, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. If I'm opening the door, I'm open. well, okay, so.
1: Okay, moving on, we're going to talk about Delilah, Delilah. So,
0: here's the thing. You also can um, sow seeds, and Marietta covered this just this much a little bit earlier, through things that you share with other people. Um, We use the example of Delilah here. Obviously, Delilah learned uh, the secret of Samson the Nazarite's strength um, and shared it with other people. And it was destructive, not only to Samson but everybody that was around Samson as well. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to really understand that seed can be shared this way by are sh- sown by sharing with other people. So
1: things you shouldn't share. Go ahead. Yes, um, women we call it gossip. Um, but, you know, we, that can be done in our marriage, too. Like, men can do it with other guys talking about their wives. Women can do it to other women, to their moms. To, some people do it with their children to share something negative about what's going on with their spouse to the child. Um, the, you notice how, how seldom something positive is really shared when people talk about other people to think on that. You know, you you very when people, especially a group of women, I think women are probably much more guilty of this, get together. There seems to be a common thread of talking about other women. Well, I'm not here I can't go into a whole lot on this, but, you know, we don't have to listen to it either. You can leave. Someone starts in like that, you can just leave. Sometimes that's the best thing to do. Um, Talking something bad, like if there's something going on between us, the Internet is forever. There's a way to pull pull up archived pages off the Internet. It's uh, a search that's actually fairly easy to do if you know anything about advanced searching on Google. And you can see things people have posted on their Facebook about their spouse. We should never do that because that's a ne- negative word that's being left out there forever. Uh, usually when we're talking to somebody, we're going to tell them that, oh, don't tell anyone else. I'm just telling you. But the truth of the matter is is that you know, any, it can have an impact on the person that's ta- doing the negative speaking, the person that's hearing it, and anyone else in earshot. So we want to be really careful what we're saying to other people, especially about this relationship. This needs to be kept really tight. You know, negative stuff, really tight. You may have only one or two people in your in your life that you're going to ask for help right here between husband and wife, where you're going to seek outside help. And, and, and it should be somebody who's totally trustworthy that you both agree to, you know, somebody that, that can help you. And doesn't want to harm you. Um, and and the negative stuff can be taken out of context. This kind of talking about other people. And it's never the whole picture. And I, I wrote a piece. It's on my blog about... Um, there we go. I posted this picture. And if you could see just this picture, um, when we talk to... When we're telling our side of a situation, we're telling it from our perspective. And it's never really the whole picture because the other person has a perspective. And I learned this from my friend and sister that, you know, there's also the Holy Spirit side, which is the truth. What really happened, right? So I have a side. Greg has a side. The Holy Spirit has, you know, has the truth. And so I show you that picture And if I give you just a little bit of information about Greg and I, you may jump to a whole lot of conclusions based on what I'm presenting. But if you knew the – if I showed you – if you knew everything, you'd come to an extremely different conclusion. And so sometimes we say, I like the dashboard of a car. Is the dashboard of the car black? Yeah, it's black. And if I don't tell you any in your mind, you're going to assume it's black. But it's also red and gray and has some silver trim. But you don't know that because I'm only telling you a little bit of the picture, just like I showed you the, this, the two pictures here, a little bit. And that's really, it's just a little snippet of this guinea hen.
0: Yeah, and there's one other point here, and that is when you're uh, getting back to what we covered earlier, um, when you're sharing um, and you're sowing that seed, you also, if it's a negative thing that you're sharing, you're giving place for the enemy to step in. So we need to be really careful about that. Um, Proverbs 18:17. This this is a passage that I just love. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So this is what it means. It's that picture. It's the picture that Marietta was just showing. Somebody that tells something first seems right but there's always another side of the story and one of the things that we've always learned or that we, we we have learned particularly doing this type of ministry work is that there is always much more to the picture and too never mind okay so we talked about the law of sowing and reaping we know that it's a, a physical law as well as a spiritual law. There's three points that we want to leave with you with before we leave the sowing and reaping concept. Um, when we're talking about sowing and reaping, others can reap. Others can reap. Oh, I going to cover the... Yeah. the these, are, these are ways that the law of sowing and reaping can actually be interrupted. Others can reap what we have sown, we can be kept from reaping our own crop, or we can reap somebody else's crop. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples of this, um, and I have the I have permission, believe it or not, for my dad to. I'm not going to go. Yeah, I'm not gonna, from from my dad to share this story, but. But when I was a young man, my uh, my mom got really ill. And um, my dad left my mom with this illness. And so I had to take care of my mom when I'm a young man for the final number of years of her life. And as a young man, that was pretty devastating, you know, to have that situation, that kind of responsibility thrust on, on me. And so when my mom passed away from this illness after – about eight years of having this illness, and me watching her kind of suffer through that entire time, um, we had a memorial service for my mom, and my dad had left and gotten remarried and, and um, divorced my mom. Um, so we had a memorial service, she, and, and my dad came. And from that point, from that moment, I didn't speak to my dad for about 10 years, more or less. And um, I was just hard-hearted, and I was not forgiving. And uh, after a while, God, um, the Holy Spirit, challenged me, (laughs) working in conjunction with Marietta, um, to...
1: Second Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, to, um, you know, to get that kind of straightened out. And, And so... My dad and I have actually long since reconciled, and that's why I can share this story is because I have permission from him to be able to share this story, but the reason that I tell you this story is that there was a period of about 10 years where I was absolutely estranged from my father, and now, so that's that's what I sowed during that period of time. And now I am reaping that harvest no, and my grandchildren are reaping are reaping that harvest because I'm estranged from my daughters. That's it in a nutshell. And I believe that it's a and, and so my grandchildren are actually they are reaping some of the some of what I sowed decades ago. And if if I could do it over again obviously I would. But this is an example of, of, of how sowing and reaping can actually work beyond our own generation.
1: Uh, Greg and I ministered to young adults for a period of time. Single young adults. And one of the common things uh, they get tickets and then they don't pay them. And They try, now, and we had a young man that that had happened to, and I felt bad. I wanted to help him, and Greg is like, no, we're not helping. He's going to have to go sit his time out in jail. He didn't have the money to pay his ticket off, and I was like, oh, no, you know, but he went, and he sat his time out in jail, and while he was in jail, he received the true gospel of Jesus Christ that for some reason, even though we'd been all talking about it, all the people he hung with had been talking about it, when he got into jail, he received that and gave his life over to the Lord. Not because he was in jail, because he he thought it was pretty cool to be in there, because once he got Jesus, all he wanted to do was talk to everybody else about Jesus. And he actually came out of a cult. And made the transition while he was in jail from this cult he had been involved in, into a into believing in Jesus Christ, young man that that our entire young adult population had sowed into for a couple of years yeah, I guess yeah a couple of years and, <clears throat> and and
0: and we wanted to we wanted to interrupt
1: I wanted to and yeah so well and I, some of
0: the young people we yeah. wanted to interrupt that and that reaping you know he was going to reap the harvest that he had sown and we allowed that to happen and it was a good thing
1: right because what happened was he if we had interrupted the process he wouldn't have got to reap Jesus Christ as his lord and savior i don't know what happened in there but whatever it was spoke to him and maybe it was maybe it was part of being in in jail and not being able to go and do anything But then it became very common for all the young men in our youth and our young adult group that if they got tickets they couldn't pay, they all wanted to go to jail, (laughs) hoping to have some kind of impact on somebody else. (laughs) So it it did get crazy from there. But – and then we can reap someone else's crop, something that someone else is sowed, and then we're going to reap what they sowed in – um, you want to talk yeah, about I that? Mean,
0: um, I mean, I had a step-cousin. That, that, that is the exact phrase or term for this relation. And he was, um, he was a, a severe alcoholic. And my aunt continued to uh, help him um, in every way that she could, every way that she could. She was amazing to him. Um, she would rescue him in every situation. Um, he was run over by a car while he was drunk out of his mind. Uh, he was staggered out onto a highway and, and lost his leg due to that accident. And that wasn't even that wasn't enough to to convince him to stop the destructive alcoholic behavior. So he continued to drink. She took him into her home, and it was hugely destructive for her as well. So she was reaping the crop that he was sowing, trying to rescue him out of this situation. She continued to rescue him to the point where he continued to drink and and finally died. But, you know, sometimes we need to step back and allow God to move and allow an individual to, to actually... Uh, reap the crop that they are sowing because because um, you know God can God can snatch victory out of that. So. Right.
1: <clears throat> and sometimes you know nothing is be- better is seen than with kids. Kids can sow procrastination and parents get to pay get to reap it right get to reap the consequences for that. By stepping in and helping them with their project the night before it's due at midnight. Okay. A word of warning to all the young parents. (laughs) Sometimes if you let them reap the consequences once for doing that, it isn't an issue in the future.
0: That's Uh, really the point.
1: Instead of stepping in and helping them.
0: So what we want to do, and we just have a few minutes remaining, but what we want to do is we want to apply this lesson, the sowing and reaping lesson, and and we want to do this as as kind of a review of some of the lessons that we've taught during the past five weeks. So during week one, we taught about covenant and love, and, and, and you all learned that this relationship, a covenant relationship, it's not contractual in nature, and that love The way that we thought about it before culturally is not exactly what exists here either. That we are in this relationship for good, for forever, at least until we go on to eternity. And that we are going to choose to love each other. So, when you consider it in in the light of this lesson, the sowing and reaping lesson, what are you going to reap from the love seed that you... That you that you sow into your marriage. What are you going to reap? And how will you cultivate the seed of appreciation for your spouse, for your beloved?
1: We talked about unforg- we we had a lesson on forgiveness, and what we wanted what we're asking is that was a seed that's a seed that you can sow forgiveness, or you can choose not to sow it. And if you choose not to sow it, then you're really sowing unforgiveness into your own life. And if you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart in one relationship, it will spill over into other relationships. Uh,
0: and then we had a lesson on practical communication. And very much like the lesson that we're doing tonight that we talked about, that this is really the seed that we sow between, to each other, and we want to choose that seed extremely wisely. Is that
1: Star Wars?
0: Choose wisely. Choose wisely, that's right. Isn't that Star Wars? It is. Isn't it? Choose wisely. What was is, it? is that Star Wars? What is it?
1: Matrix. Matrix, that's, that's right. right. Okay, why well, new? All right,
0: it. way to go, Ephraim. Yeah. Thank you. Choose okay. wisely.
1: And then when in, the, in agreement, we had three sections, children, finances, and spiritual growth. And in children... You know, what you put into them, that's your seed. And what do you want them to reap from the seed that you're putting into them? If you're speaking positive things into their life, whether they exist or not, you are going to reap positive things out of your kids. And what, what do you want them to sow into, your, into their marriage when they grow up? Because you are preparing this person, whether a daughter or a son, you are preparing them to be a husband or a wife one day. And what do you want them to do? To what do you want them to have a seed for their marriage? Because this is what they're going to be looking at right here, your marriage. That's that's the model for them. Um, and let me keep them. Yeah. Okay. And finances, we put the scripture from Matthew six here: "For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be." Will be also. What do you treasure? In your finance financially like do you make decisions to gratify an urge to have the newest iPhone instead of paying the electric bill what where's your treasure um, spiritual growth okay this is your eternal seed because this goes on even after our bodies are dead we are all in a process of dying from the moment you're born you are dying. Because that's that's the same road unless Jesus comes back. We're all walking. We're all going to die one day unless Jesus comes back and takes us home. We're all going to die. And when how we live our life now, that's eternally. That's our eternal. After this body is dead, we get to live on in a new body, in a different heaven, in a different earth. And the seed, our spiritual seed now determines a lot of how we're going to spend our eternity. That's a whole nother lesson, or two, or ten, or twenty. Right. But.
0: Um, and then, and then last week we covered one flesh, and we talked about unity that exists in this relationship, and so what we want you to focus on in the context of this this lesson is are you are you sowing unity into this relationship into your marriage and so there are so many ways that we can that we can sow unity make sure that there is a unified relationship here but we want to make sure that you're challenged to sow that unity because that's going to result in power okay um,
1: the foundational truth for for the sowing and reaping lesson for tonight is our, we chose three. I choose the seed I sow, whether by word or action. Number two, I exponentially reap from the seed I sowed. And three, reaping happens in a completely different season than sowing.
0: So, just as we, just as we covered um, early on in this lesson, we never want to grow tired of sowing good seed, knowing that it, there is a time for the harvest, and it, that time is coming. And as I sow good seed, I'm going to reap a good harvest. And and that's and that's the challenge for all of you. i to cover the homework
1: the private session there's not a, it's not real heavy this week but there is a section where we want you to go back through the different lessons it starts on page 4 and and write down at least one good seed you got out of each lesson something that you can actually sow into your relationship okay. that's about it
0: so that's the End of these sessions, um, at least the way it's structured for this for this go around, six six lessons. As you um, as you leave here, we we would really encourage you to, from time to time, actually go through. If you haven't done the homework, we'd encourage you to 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 continue on to work through the homework. Um, write down the scriptures, read over the scriptures that are in the homework in all of the lessons because they'll have good value for all of you. Good value for all of you. Um, Don't forget those things that are very practical that we taught and we want to cover again. You remember the conflict crusher. Awesomeness. Good way way to, to, uh, to diffuse a situation when it begins to escalate. And we taught on how to reach agreement. What else do we teach?
1: How to forgive.
0: How to forgive and what to do, and how to, to pray for ourselves so that we can get to a point of forgiveness.
1: And how to pray together.
0: How to pray together, yep. Mm-hmm. So use all those tools. And remember that that those things that you're sowing into this relationship, you're going to reap those things. And we're going to pray now that those things are going to be good things. So I'm going to close this in prayer and... and uh, then, if you guys have any questions after I pray, Marietta and I will answer your questions. Is that all right? Awesomeness. All right. Join me as we pray. Um, Father, once again, we come before you tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, lifting up each and every husband, each and every wife, each and every one-flesh relationship that that is here tonight or that is listening to this CD, Father. We, we thank you, Lord God, that that um, that you are watching over the good things that are being spoken in those relationships, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, that you watch over our marriages. I thank you, Lord God, that you are our defender of the one flesh relationship, that covenant relationship that you created, that you ordained, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that as husbands and wives look at each other, they'll look at each other with renewed eyes, Father God. They'll they'll see each other with eyes that are your eyes, Lord. See through your eyes the and just be filled with love, Lord, and forgiveness and mercy and grace where all of those things are needed, Lord, in Jesus' name.
1: Father, I ask
0: that you would Bless these couples as they go forth from this place, Father. That you would use them mightily to build your kingdom, Lord. That they will walk in a a new level of power and unity, Father. And that your kingdom will be built because of it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to bless the children that come out of these relationships or that have already issued from these relationships, Father God. And that these children will see a model of a one-flesh relationship that is built on your foundation, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, bless your people. Bless these marriages. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So anybody have any questions now that we're done? Congratulations. Thanks for hanging in there, by the way. Everybody that did all six, that's awesome. If you missed the lesson, then you can listen to it on the podcast. Anybody got any questions? Don't be afraid. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Because we finished kind of early. Awesome. We really do appreciate all of you being here during the lessons that you made. And, and um, um, if you have any questions um, and you see Marietta and I around, uh, we don't. we do not hold ourselves out as counselors, certainly. But God has revealed a lot of truth, and we'd love to answer questions. So feel free to approach us anytime.